Good morning, great family at Oakwood. Well, I'm sad that I'm not here and I'm missing you guys, but I'm currently up north preaching at Camp Barakel. It's a men's retreat, and I got a ministry to some men that I've been looking forward to for some time. So pray for me as I'm up there, as I'm praying for you down here. So this morning, I'm excited to uh, tell you about a, a guest speaker who's just handsome and talented and popular, and he's coming next week. His name is Doug Schmidt. But this week, you got Wally Rose. Uh, just kidding. I love Wally. He is all the above. He is handsome. He is talented. Uh, and I've been excited to get him in front of you for some time now. I've enjoyed being friends with Wally. Good pastor, good husband, good father. Uh, I don't know if he's a good ref or not, but he refs high school uh, football uh, and basketball and other things. And so uh, he, he's good at a lot of things. And you're going to enjoy him today. Give him a warm Oakwood welcome, Pastor Wally Rose. Well, I never thought PD was a jerk until, until right, right there. there. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I wonder who we're having this morning, because what he started with wasn't me, and when he said Doug Schmidt, I, I thought that was good. I have no great comeback for him, uh, but I want to say this. I love your pastor. Um, I've gotten to become good friends with your pastor over the last couple years. Um, he means a lot to me. We were part of a, a men's small group. Um, Doug Schmidt, who I know you've had here before, who you'll have next week, um, just kind of showed up at our doorstep, or at least that was my story, and then invited us in together. And it was uh, Doug, Don, myself, and, and initially a couple other guys. And I got to know your pastor. I got to know your pastor's heart, and I really appreciate every time I, I've been able to spend with Pastor Don. Um, I, uh, he's, he's infectious, and right now I kind of want to mean that negatively because of what he just said, but I mean that positively. He's infectious. Um, you just, I walk away from PD, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about him, I think. I walk away from him when we encounter each other, and I think, Jesus is great. I really do. I don't always walk away thinking, you know, Don's just the greatest guy on the planet. But I walk away thinking, you know what? Jesus is awesome. And uh, I appreciate that. Amen. Amen. I appreciate that. But I have to say this um, before we, we look into the Word of God this morning. Don did share something with me over lunch um, this past week that he might not have shared with you, the church. And, and I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag a little bit here, but um, I think it's important to share with you. He told me that he has not been feeling up to par or very good for the last several several weeks really he said a couple months and he said it's been going on and going on and finally he decided um, to go to the doctor and he went to the doctor and he got checked out and he waited you know the cursory time for the doctor to send the results back to him and uh, it sounded pretty serious as a matter of fact the doctor said hey Don I want you to come in but I want you to bring Julie with you and he said, well, Doc, what's, what's the issues? He said, I really don't want to tell you, fa or tell you over the phone. I want to tell you face-to-face. -face. And so um, with bated breath, um, they made the appointment. They got in their car. They went. Um, Don was nervous when they got to the uh, doctor's office. The doctor came out and greeted both of them and said, Don, I want you to wait here. I need to talk to your wife. And so he called Julie in and gave her uh, the news and really never called Don in. He, he gave that to Julie for her to break it to him. And so she came out of the office, they got in the car, and they were driving um, back together. But 
before Don asked her the question, here's what the doctor told her. He said, your husband's very sick. And he said, as a matter of fact, I don't know that we can do much for him, but here's what you can do. If you will feed Don breakfast in bed every morning, if you will bring him slippers once he decides to get out of bed, if you will have a bathrobe ready for him, if you will draw a hot bath for him, if you will serve him his favorite food for lunch, if you will give him what he wants for dinner, um, if you will let him ride his motorcycle whenever he wants, as a matter of fact, if you will let him stage a bike out in Arizona and fly out there for the week just so he can ride during the winter time, if you will let him play his guitar and listen to music at all hours of the night, if you will let him watch TV in bed even though it's bright and you can't sleep, Julie, if you do these things, maybe, just maybe, Don will make it. And so she walks out of the office, they're in the car, and she hasn't said anything to Don, and finally he looks at her and says, well, what did the doctor say? And she looked at her husband and said, honey, the doctor said, you're going to (laughs) die. Now, let me say this. I have told that before, and I've had a couple people come to me and say, is the pastor really sick? And so I need to let you know that was a complete joke. Um, that, was, that, was, that was not true. That was a joke. And so um, just trying to build a little rapport there with you. Let's, let's, let's pause for a moment once again. Let me say this to the band, the music that was, was chosen. Thank you for that. Um, my heart was prepared. One of the things I was excited for was to come to Oakwood this morning and worship with you. I, I know you guys are known for good worship, and we just worshiped our God together. And man, it was good. Um, it was so good. I was ready to listen to preaching, let alone preach. And, and uh, I'm so thankful for that. So let's just one more time pause. Mark said to me when I came in, I asked him, I said, hey, um, um, what do I need to do? And he said, just let the Holy Spirit take over. And you know what? When he said that, I was smitten a little bit. Um, recognizing that we can do things in our own power, that we can, we can fulfill a time slot, that we, um, we can be busy without a purpose. And what we want right now, and I know that's why you're here, we want to hear from God and from his word and be challenged and be edified. So let's pause one more time in the quietness of this room and ask him um, to speak to each and every one of our hearts this morning. Well, Father, I thank you for your goodness. We just literally sang about your goodness, and it's so true. As we were there and we were singing, Father, I was literally reminded of many times that I think that you have ran after me and pursued me in goodness. You are worthy to be praised. And we pause and praise you and worship you this morning and say, Thank you, God for the good and great God that you are. Thank you that you introduced us to Jesus Christ when we were dead in sins. Thank you that you've given us a living word and a Holy Spirit that seals us. And thank you for the importance of our local church and for those who love us and who who pour into us and who edify and build us up and seek to encourage us. Father, you are good. And as a group, we pause and say thank you this morning. Lord, we come now. From our various places, we come uh, to sit under the preaching of the word of God because we recognize that it is authoritative. So, Father, as we open up the word, I pray, uh, just as Mark challenged, that your Holy Spirit would, would lead, would guide, would teach each and every one of us what you want us to take from the word of God this morning. I pray for Pastor Don as he's up there at that uh, men's group at Camp Barakel. I pray that you would 
Fill him with your spirit. I pray that you would use him to be a blessing in the lives of those men. I pray for some of those men who might not know you, that they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some of those men who are struggling, that, Father, you would grip their hearts and they would just uh, turn from their ways and throw in with you. And, Father, may we hear a great report when he gets back. Lord, meet with us. We have come to hear from you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. When I met with PD, I said, hey, is there anything you want me to preach? Anything you want me uh, to stay away from? And he said, you know, we just went through the book of Revelation. It was some, some, just some heavy hauling. You're probably going to want to stay out of the book of Revelation. We're in 1 Thessalonians now and uh, some life principles. So you probably don't want to um, preach from 1 Thessalonians. And, and I've been listening to his uh, series um, on that and, and gleaning and, and learning and appreciative of that. And so it seems like Ephesians was the place for us to be. It's one of my very favorite books um, of the Bible. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, as I've recognized that PD does from time to time. The Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians to the churches around Ephesus, and he did it, the, he did it for this reason. He wanted to display the glory of God in God's plan for hu humanity. Before this, um, people were a little bit in the dark. Of course, Jesus Christ had come. He had lived. He had died. He had ascended um, to heaven. Um, but the fact is, uh, there was still a lot of mystery, as the New Testament calls it. And God used the Apostle Paul, or opened the eyes of the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit to explain some of these mysteries. Uh, to those who at this point were in the churches at Ephesus. And so we're going to look into what would have been a mystery back then, but it's still a mystery to many of us today. This book is, is it's, a, it's a play that's divided in two scenes. The first scene is everything that God has done for us by way of calling us, by way of predestinating us, by way of, of, of bringing us out of our, our trespasses and sins through the person of Jesus Christ. It is everything that God has done, and so we need to review that a little bit. And when you get into the last half or the second scene of this play, it is, what is our response to be? Listen, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's not the end, that's the jumping off point. We get to look forward to heaven someday uh, when we die, but man, my mentor used to say, Wally, we can experience a little bit of heaven on earth now. You can know God in personal relationship now, and that is the point. And so uh, we want to learn a little bit about that today. How are we supposed to respond to what God has done for us, and that's play two. Let's just read. I have you in chapter five. I'm going to read the first verse, and then I want to give to you a little bit about what God has done for us. The first verse says this Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God is dear children. In listening to, to PD preach, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Um, he had a point, and his point was this. An effective church is infectious to the world. The church that imitates Jesus and speaks his gospel in love will be known everywhere. The church that imitates Jesus. Now let me ask you by way of participation. The church is made up of who or what? People, of individuals. Christ Jesus died so that men and women, boys and girls, um, could come to him in relationship and have their sins forgiven. And here Paul writes um, to the believers at Ephesus and he says this, 
imitate God. Now, of course, Jesus Christ in human form is is our representation of God, and so we need to know a little bit about Jesus. We need to know how Jesus lived his life if we're going to imitate him. Let me pause and ask this question. Could you imagine what this world could be like if Christians lived like Jesus? Now, that's not to say that we don't have our struggles, because every one of us does. That doesn't mean that, that we're not tempted with sin, that, that, that um, it, it doesn't bite at our heels. It doesn't mean that we, we live perfect lives. But the Bible says this, those who name the name of Jesus Christ should be imitators of Jesus. We should reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to start where we should always start. I want to start with God. What has God done for us? When we leave here this morning, I want your opinion and your view of God to be like, oh my goodness. He is amazing. I can't believe that he saved me. I can't believe that Christ hung on a cross for my sins. If you would, go to chapter 1, and I don't know uh, if I'm going to do a great job of, of following the verses here I'm going to try before we get into our outline. So Ephesians chapter 1, just by way of introducing the opening scene of this play to you, I want to talk about our Heavenly Father. Um, What has God done for us in Christ? Verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, In the heavenly places. He has blessed us in Jesus Christ. Who has God blessed us in and through? Jesus Christ. Now, I'll share a little bit with you. He called me Pastor Wally Rose. I I don't currently pastor. I'm not pastoring a church. I am the lead chaplain at Lapeer County Jail for Reach the Forgotten um, Jail Ministries, and I'm the lead chaplain also at St. Clara County Jail out in Port Huron. And here the Word of God says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. I cannot believe how many conversations I get in with people today about Jesus Christ. Way more than when I was pastoring. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I guess as a pastor, probably 60, 70, 80% of my time was talking to fellow believers, was talking to church members. And I didn't have to do a lot of convincing to church members who Jesus Christ was. But man, I get inserted into a couple local jails and there's all kinds of ideas about who Jesus Christ is. And I guess I was a little bit naive to that. Now, one of the things I have learned is this, that Muslims... They're pretty respectful to us Christians. They actually believe that Jesus was a good man, that Jesus was a prophet, that he he did good things. They do not believe that he's the Son of God. They do not believe that he died for our sins. They do not believe that he rose again the third day. And so um, those that I come in contact with that that believe the Islamic faith, uh, they're they're not Christians. They're not saved. Their sins haven't been forgiven because this is what we know. You have to be rock solid on Jesus Christ. We don't have to agree on everything. But by way of salvation, you have to believe who the Bible says that Jesus Christ is. So many conversations in the jail, the Bible says, or, or people tell me, oh, Jesus never claimed to be deity. Really? Read the Gospel of John. You will find myriads of times when Jesus point blank said, I am he, the woman at the well. She's like, Messiah's coming. Jesus looked at her and said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. And if you've seen God, you've seen me. And so Jesus very clearly and distinctly makes that claim. One of the things uh, that I'm learning is, man, people, people believe stuff without looking it up. 
People just take it in hook, line, and sinker. And so we're kind of debunking a lot of things, just taking the Bible and, and those kinds of things and saying, hey, this is what the Word of God says. This is who the Word of God says that Jesus is. Let me just pause and ask, are you solid on who Jesus is this morning? Is he the Son of God? Did he die on a cross and rise again the third day? Is he seated in heaven and today he's our high priest, he's our advocate, he's our interceder, he's still working and ministering on our behalf. Do you believe that? Amen. I got to tell you this, and, and I'm not sure why, but I just want to share this with you. Um, every inmate, I realize we're in Oakland County, every inmate, because we have a small jail in, in, in Lapeer County, hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? We only got like 51 men. We've got five or six women in there right now. They got to be in quarantine. But, but our stated goal is that every incarcerated person in Michigan hears the gospel. And we have a, 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 a trained staff of volunteers. And man, they go in and I get to go in and we share the gospel. One of the ripest mission fields in our backyard is the Oakland County Jail and is the Lapeer County Jail and is the St. Clair County Jail because those sheriffs are literally asking us to come in to be a part of their programming schedule and to share Jesus Christ with people. Why? Because if somebody will believe on Jesus Christ, and here's the big point, of course it's salvation, but if somebody will believe on Jesus Christ, and then we can get them hooked up with a good local church that will teach the Bible to them, that will come alongside them and, and help them make good decisions and will train them, just like Oakwood um, would do, uh, the recidivism rate, that meaning those who go back uh, to jail, would drop immensely. 70% of people in jail have been in jail already. It's, it's just a revolving door. And I share that with you. That was kind of a little shameless plug. I don't care that you're from Oakland County. I'll, I will use and train people to volunteer in our local jail if you are willing. So um, we are blessed in Jesus Christ in heavenly places. He goes on to say, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Hey, God chose us before the foundation of the world. Um, in love, he predestined, predetermined us for adoption to himself as the sons through Jesus Christ. God has adopted us. I read a great book one time. It was called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And, and what Packer did was this. He, he said, man, over here you've got the legal side of being a child of God. And the legal side is this. When you believe on Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous. Man, it doesn't matter that you're a sinner. It doesn't matter um, what you've been hooked up in. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. When you believed on your, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saying, I don't want this anymore. I want you. That doesn't mean you don't step back in every once in a while, but it means I want Jesus. And in that, in that transaction, we have been declared righteous. Now, in and of ourselves, none of us are righteous, but, but Jesus' righteousness was laid upon us when we believe on him. And aren't you thankful for that this morning? Aren't you thankful that when God looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ and, and we are declared righteous? But the other side of that salvation thing is this. When I see the, the declaration of righteousness, I see God in the, in, the, in the cosmic courtroom and he's sitting there as a judge and uh, he will judge sin because he's holy. But man, um, this adoption side of it is the word of God just told us as a loving heavenly father. He adopts us into his family. He chose us to adopt us into his family. And if he will choose us and adopt us and, and bring us into the family what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. 
That's how good God is. We need to start this with the goodness of God. Let me ask you this morning, would you agree that God is good? Would you agree that just the several verses we've looked at from Scripture would tell us that God is good? Oh, man, I just want us to walk out of here praising God and thanking Him for His goodness to us, not based on our own merit. It goes on to say, He has blessed us in the beloved because of Jesus Christ. We are blessed in Him. We have redemption through His blood in Jesus Christ. That's the message we preach. That's what we talk about. It's in Jesus. It's only in Jesus. It's not through church membership. It's not through trying really hard uh, to do good. It's not through memorizing all the scripture. It's not through carrying a black Bible or a burgundy Bible. It's not through um, this translation or that translation. Forgiveness of sins is in the blood of Jesus Christ and it's Him we preach. Amen? We preach Jesus and him crucified and risen again. Man, if you want to know if you died today that you were, to, you were to go to heaven, you need to believe on Jesus Christ, the biblical message of Christ. What else has God done for us? He's made known to us the mystery of his will. You might be sitting here going, I, I don't think I know his will. He continues on, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. What we are talking about today used to just blow the minds of the prophets and even of angels. They didn't know God's plan and God over the course of time um, after um, the incarnation of Jesus and his, his ascension, God uh, let Paul know, hey, the will of God is to bring all things back together in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the linchpin. Jesus is the point. The reason we meet here today is because of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, friend, I invite you to believe on him today. If you have any fuzzy thinking about Jesus Christ, I invite you to dig into the book of Ephesians and learn of all the blessings that we have in him. Now, if I could draw your attention back to chapter 5. I need to share one more as you're turning back. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. Let me tell you this. One of the things I love about listening to your pastor is I know this, that when you come on a Sunday morning, you're going to hear from the word of God. He's not going to drop a USA Today um, on the little table here and try to preach something from that. He's not going to use People Magazine or, or things of that nature. He's going to open the Word of God. And here the Bible says again in Ephesians 1 verse 12, in whom you also, when you heard the Word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, and believed in Him. I was sitting at a table in Seapod in Lapeer County Jail, and I had five or six guys, I don't remember how many, with me. And, and I had one of those epiphany moments, one of those moments where just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. I was sitting in, the, uh, sitting in that pod around that table. Um, probably four or five of them had Bibles. One was sharing a Bible with somebody else. And, a, and one of the deputies came in, and he was making his rounds and, and clicking his little time badge so that they, they knew that they were doing their job and, and going from place to place. And we were sitting there openly talking about Jesus in the county jail. And I thought to myself, there's lots of places in our own country and in our own town where people wouldn't welcome this as much as they're welcoming uh, what's happening right now. And it's just was wonderful to think about how often we get to talk about Jesus if we'll take that opportunity. How often do you talk about him and how often do you talk to him? 
And I don't say that casting a pall on you. I just say that by way of, of stirring us up. How often do we talk about Christ? It's going to be one of our points here. But now that we're in Ephesians chapter 5, here's the big idea. Verse 1 again is the big idea. Therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. This is a little bit old school, this statement I'm about to make. I think here Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying Christians are supposed to be different. I, I, I mean, I, sometimes I just, that's, that's so simple. But in our daily lives, many of us recognize we miss it. Um, that's not how we live our lives. We, we don't imitate Christ. Man, I, I want my way and I want my way now. Christianity is not Burger King or McDonald's. Christianity isn't have it your way. Christi- you know, we used to think um, centuries ago that the, that the sun revolved around the earth. And we learned, obviously, that the earth revolves around the sun. And many of us as the children of God sometimes still think that God revolves around us. And the fact of the matter is, we revolve around him. So the big idea is this, be imitators of God as beloved children. Number one, the word of God says this in verse two, this is point one. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Number one in being imitators of God is this, live in love. Now, I don't think that Paul meant when he said live in love that we have to agree with everything and swallow everything hook, line, and sinker. But I also don't think that he meant when he said live in love, you argue with people till you're red in the face, till you're spitting and sputtering, until you must hate them because they don't think the same way that you think or believe the same way that you think. That is not what Paul is saying here. He's saying, live, walk your lives in love. You know there's several different Greek words for the word love. This one happens to be agape, which is the willing, sacrificial giving of oneself for another. He's saying, live unselfish lives. Just like Jesus lived his lives. You, my followers, live lives like that. Let me ask you this. How could that... How could that show itself in your, in your day-to-day life? Tomorrow's Monday. Oh, man. Mondays are so rough. Tomorrow is Monday. We're going to get up. The weekend's going to be over. We're going to go back to whatever it is um, that we do. We're going to get back into the mundane, the, 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 the routine of life. We're going to get smashed by a boss. We're going to be stuck in traffic. We're going to have bills over it, whatever it might be. For you to live in love, how would that look how would that play itself out in ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 the word of god says um, you used to be dead but now um, you are living he goes on to say in verses 4 through 7 but god being rich in mercy listen to this because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The point there being this, God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. You guys, we are called to live our lives with great love for others. Now, when Jesus was here, was he, was, he, was he beloved by all? He was, he was popular in some circles. People, uh, for right reasons, for wrong reasons, wanted to flock and go to where Jesus was teaching. Um, but Jesus wasn't, wasn't taken in by everybody. As a matter of fact, everybody seemingly had an angle um, when it came to Jesus Christ. But you remember when Jesus was on the cross and uh, he, said, my, uh, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know um, what they do. And, and the word of God in Ephesians 4.29 tells us that we're to forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. We are to live lives of love. Every day we're to walk in this love. Every day we're to put it on again afresh and anew and go to a world that needs to know the love of God. And how do we do that? It starts by the fact that we've experienced it. All we're called to do is witness, and a witness is just somebody who tells somebody else about what they've seen or what they've experienced. You guys, this Christianity isn't isn't what we grew up with in the 60s and 70s and you just follow a bunch of rules and everything's going to be okay and you just white knuckle it and grit your teeth. No, no, it's so much more than that. It is a radical change on the inside out because the Spirit of Christ lives and dwells within us and as a result of that, we can impact the lives of others. That's what we're called to do. We're called to impact the lives of others, but not just through trying really hard and picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. No, no, but by relying in and preaching to ourselves, you know what? God, you love me. You proved it in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, you love me. You've given me the word of God and not left me by myself. God, you love me. The Holy Spirit has sealed me, and he's my teacher and my comforter and my, God, and my guide. God, you love me because you've given me a wonderful church to worship you with and to, and to make mistakes and then have somebody love on me in spite of that. You love me, God. You love me, God. You love me, God. And the whole point of that is that we take that love of God and share it with others and see them grow in that love um, of God and see them grow in their relationship with him. And that's how the world is changed. That's how churches are changed. That's how families are changed. That's how communities are changed. Number one, be imitators of God. How? By, by living in love as Jesus Christ exemplified for us. Number two, by forsaking selfish pursuits. This one's a toughie. Look at verse three. The Bible says this. I'll read it from this. Verse 3 says, as soon as I find it, I will tell you what it says. It says this, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Verse 5 says this, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Forsake selfish pursuits, such as self-seeking immorality and ruthless greed. These things were not evident whatsoever in Jesus' life. How about ours? Christians are supposed to imitate Jesus. How are we as far as 
is, is covetousness. How are we as far as, as, as seeking to be pure and living um, pure lives? Again, Jesus was perfect because we will not be. We will stumble and we will fall. But the word of God says a just man or a just woman falls seven times and gets up and rises up um, again. But we are to live our lives forsaking selfish pursuits. We live in a world that is contrary to that. We live in a world that says, I have to have that, that Yamaha um, snowmobile. I have to have that Cadillac car. I have to have um, that hat. I have to like this team. I have to have those clothes. I have to have that position. Otherwise, I will not be content. Otherwise, I will not be um, happy. And the word of God says, lay aside selfish ambition. Lay aside greed. Why? Because all the world sees every day as greed. I'm going to get mine. And we believers have become no different. I'm going to get mine. I don't care if I have to walk on you. I don't care if I have to step on you. I don't care if I have to kick you down. I am going to get mine. Let me just ask this. Is that how Jesus Christ lived his life according to the word of God? No, he didn't come to be ministered to, but to be a minister to be broken and spilled out. And you guys, this is a toughie. We are to live our lives the same way. We are to be broken and spilled out for others. I'll give give you a small example of that. Um, I have a little bit different philosophy um, than my predecessor. And my predecessor did a great job. Still my friend in the jails. And um, he still ministers and volunteers in there. But he had a philosophy of, of we give out socks, we give out t-shirts, we give out underwear, we give out toothpaste, toothbrushes, bar soap, um, deodorants of Biggie, um, uh, toothpaste as well, if I didn't say that. We give out all those things. And his philosophy was, hey, if you come to the worship service, I will give you some of these articles as you need them. And, and my philosophy is a little bit different. Um, you don't need to come to the worship service. They're well attended, and I praise the Lord for that. But man, we're just going to give you some of these items. And I got an email back from my home office, and I, and I didn't know any better. Nobody had told me any different until I got this email, but it was from an accountant. And you know that's going to be a good email, right? And so the accountant said, if you're an accountant, I apologize for that. You are outstanding people. We need you. Um, most of the time. But uh, at any rate, I got this email that said, hey, you have been spending a lot of money on inmate provisions. You're not supposed to do that. And it went to my immediate boss as well. And what I didn't recognize is, uh, or what I did recognize is nobody told me I wasn't supposed to do that. And on my expense report, there is a line item that says inmate expenses or, or taking care of inmates. And, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. And so um, we were just taking care of those things. And one of the things the accountant said was, um, Chaplain Rose, is it potentially possible that people are using you? And my response was, it is completely possible that people are using me, but I'm willing to be used to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to these inmates. And you know what? Some still don't come, but the ones that haven't come to worship, that have taken some of the items, they're so much more open to me to listen to the gospel. They're so much more open to me when I come into the pod. And I didn't say that to make you think I'm a good guy. No, no, I'm sure the Lord put that on my heart to be willing um, to be used, to be willing to be walked on a little bit. It doesn't mean that we have to be ridiculous. It doesn't mean that we have to let people hurt us. But it does mean this. God wants us to imitate him in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice for others. 
You guys, we don't know what's going on in the life of that girl who's working at McDonald's in the drive-thru. We don't know what's happening with that bank teller at our bank when they're just not getting us through uh, quick enough. We don't know what's going on in our neighbors' lives because even here, even at a good church, even at a healthy church where the gospel is preached and you guys love each other and you take care of problems when they need um, to be taken uh, care of, man, we can become prideful and we can want our own way and we can become um, um, covetous in, in the things that we want. And the word of God says, push that aside if you're going to be an imitator of Christ. For the sake of time, I'm just gonna share one more this morning. Number one, uh, as imitators of God, we are to live in love. Man, what a change could be made in, in our spheres of influence if you and I would say, God, I am sorry, I have not displayed love. Number two, we're to forsake selfish pursuits. And you know, I stand up here right now, and, and as I say that, I recognize, I'm, I, and I'm not saying this for effect, I might be one of the most selfish people I know. I gotta battle that, and I gotta battle that, and I need help with my wife battling that, I need help with my mentor battling that, and I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. And the Word of God says, Take yourself somewhat out of the equation and just live as Christ lived. I have like five points. I'm not going to share the rest of them. I'm just trying to decide which one to share. I'm going to share two quickly because one's actually worded long, but it's a short point. Number three in this idea of imitating God. And again, my reference point today is our local jails. But... Um, Point three is this, replacing filthy talk and flippant, flippant speech with communication rooted in thanksgiving to God and affirmation to others. Replacing filthy talk and flippant speech with communication rooted in thanksgiving to God and affirmation to others. Look at chapter 5, verse 4, and then verse 20. Verse 4 says this, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, um, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And then look at verse 20. It says this, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I had a fellow just the other day. Uh, this has happened to me in the past with somebody on my football crew as Pastor Don. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a big thing. When I was a young man, I used to, I used to struggle with swearing. I used to swear because I thought it was cool. And, and I think you can be a Christian and swear, but I don't think you'll be as close to God as you could be in fellowship if, if that's what you do. And I base that on James uh, chapter 2 and James chapter 3. But um, I was in a, in a pod the other day, and one of the guys that I've gotten close to, um, he looked at me. And again, this is the second time now as an adult I've had somebody ask me this. He just looked right at me and said, you don't swear, do you? And you hear things in jail. And I said, well, no, I don't. And this guy, is, he's one of my Timothys. Um, he gave a testimony at our banquet the other night. I mean, he is growing by leaps and bounds. Um, he's just doing a wonderful job. He's a 36-year-old man. He's been hopelessly and helplessly addicted um, to drugs, and, and God has saved him as beginning uh, to restore his mind and just work in his life. As a matter of fact, this inmate is beginning to disciple other inmates in the jail, and that's exactly what we've been praying for and hoping for. But this was the guy that asked me because... Um, truth be told he could still curse a blue streak or if somebody did him wrong it would just it would just come out and he's like you don't swear do you and i'm like no i don't he said did you ever swear and i said i did and he said well why did you stop and i had to think about it and i said because i wanted to i said what do you mean 
well, I, I represent Jesus. I don't always do a good job of it, but I am a represent, representative of Jesus when I come into the jails. And, and I don't think that you guys would listen to me very well if I, if I spoke like that, if, if that was my M.O. And uh, he was like, yeah, you're right about that. There was another occasion. Well, I'll give you this one. Uh, no, we're going to park on this one replacing those things with something else. And you know from the word of God it said this, thanksgiving. You guys, I will end right here. We have so much to be thankful for. We do. Now, I'll be the guy that reminds us this morning. Um, We have breath in our lungs. I think we sung about that or at least I listened to it maybe coming over here this morning. We have life. You know, I'm, I'm getting older, and I do have aches and pains, and I recognize that that's the normal course of life, and, and that's a result of sin um, in the world and my own sin, but, but I, I do have those things, but there is so much to be thankful for. We're to replace, hey, do you know what so-and-so did? Hey, did you hear um, where so-and-so was found? Hey, uh, do you know uh, what's going on over there and what they're doing over there? We're to replace that with, isn't God good? Aren't we thankful that we're going to go home to houses that have heat today or an apartment that has heat? Aren't we glad that we're not going to... Before I say this, I should ask, did anybody walk here today? Amen. Aren't you glad that you're going to go get in your car or your truck or your SUV and and you're going to drive home so that you don't have to walk? Aren't you glad that you have a church family where you know people have your back and where um, you can count on people to be faithful? Aren't you glad that we're going to eat food today? Aren't you glad that God takes care of us at every turn, whether we recognize it or not? Do we have much to be thankful about? And that was just by way of, of living. I didn't even bring up the fact that, again, all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, are we thankful? Now, here's the deal. Don't sit on that. Be thankful to the world. One of the blessings for me of being married is my wife has decided that she is going to be a thankful person and I get to hear about it. Do you know that sometimes I don't like that? Sometimes I don't want to be thankful. Sometimes I don't want to hear about the blessings. Sometimes I just want, hey, I am frustrated and it's not going the way that I planned it and and it should work this way. Well, you know, honey, um, somebody came to know the Lord. Or you know, honey, that the gospel was given. Or you know, honey, uh, Jesus was made to look good. And I'm thankful for that. Hey, I just practiced what I preached right there. And it wasn't even on purpose. I am thankful that I have somebody in my life that is thankful and that brings glory to God, even when sometimes I don't think that way or I don't necessarily want to hear it. Okay, God has done so much for us. Would you agree with that? You, you need to be reminded of that. Read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Our response to that is we are to imitate him. You guys, the world needs to see um, um, imitation of Jesus Christ. And let me share um, once again what I heard Pastor Don say uh, just a week or so ago. An effective church is infectious to the world. The church that imitates Jesus and speaks his gospel in love will be known 
everywhere. You guys are on the right track. Oakwood is, is doing that. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to continue to imitate Jesus Christ, to continue to speak the gospel. And how does that play out every day? We live or we walk in love, sacrificially giving ourselves for others. Why? Because God did that for us in Jesus Christ. Um, number two, we forsake selfish pursuits. If you're anything like me, that is a killer. That is a hard thing to do. And I'm still learning to do it and still learning to put the those things down but Jesus came and did the will of the father and not his own will and guess what because we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ we are to do the same thing but it's going to take the Holy Spirit active in us to do that and then our speech Again, these are such simple things, and, and I don't want to fall into the trap or the temptation that, hey, if your hair is a certain length, um, you're spiritual, or if you don't use a certain word, you're spiritual, or if you wear these kinds of clothes, you're spiritual, because that's all man-made stuff. Man looks on the outward, God looks on the heart, but man, because there's been a change inside of us, and because we're growing and walking with Christ, we don't say those things, and we don't even recognize that anymore, but other people do. We're thankful, because we have much to be thankful for. Do we? Is God good? Band, you come. Let's close, close in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege to open the word of God today. I thank you for the power and the truthfulness of the word. I thank you that Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven to be born in that manger and then walked on earth and he was misunderstood and he didn't get his way and he sacrificed for others and then he sacrificed on the cross. Father, I'm thankful that resurrection power was given and he rose from the dead. Father, he's in heaven now and he's, he's doing that ministry that we talked about. And Father, because Jesus Christ is alive, we can live in love. Because Jesus Christ is alive, we can push aside selfish pursuits. Because he is alive, uh, we don't have to um, talk just like the world talks. We don't have to be coarse or harsh with one another. Father, we can be thankful and give you glory. Lord, I'm very thankful for what you're doing in this place. I, play, I pray that you would continue to bless. I pray that you would speak to hearts even now as we sing, that, Father, we would, we would think about how good you have been to us and how good you are. And, Father, may we be willing to live our lives not for selfish ambition or gain, but for your glory. May that be our pursuit. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.